0: Our scripture today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift and No, but by the law of faith, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, at this time we ask that these words that were just read... That were penned by Paul to the Romans so long ago that they will come alive for us, that they will move us, they will inspire us. We ask that your Holy Spirit will descend upon us and rest with us, that you will shine a light on these scriptures, on your truth, that your gospel message will be brought to mind, revealed to us, and made alive in our hearts. Lord, as we prepare to... Uh, listen to what your spirit has to say to us this morning. We ask that you clear away the distractions and that you uh, that you descend upon us and rest with us as we patiently wait for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're uh, doing this series. We're going through the book of Romans. This is our third week in, in doing this. And I just want to throw out this reminder to you. Uh, if, if you've been here the past few weeks, it'll be a reminder. If, if not, this is this is uh, something new for you. But uh, I, I want you to remember: the Book of Romans is sort of this overarching uh, theological discourse written by Paul. In other words, it's him really just unpacking the the whole grand scheme of everything for the Roman Church, telling them. Uh, the ins and outs about salvation, how, how it works, how we come to, to God through faith in Jesus Christ, how a believer should act. And, and, and in all of this, there, there are going to be some times where we talk about some very fundamental things, things that you may feel you already know. But then there's also some, some deeper, uh, heavier, meatier stuff to chew on in there. Uh, so it's, it, we, we come across the danger as we read the book of Romans where we can, maybe can sort of read a few things and think, yeah, I already know that, a sort of basic Christianity. But then as soon as we start thinking that, we might miss what's coming up right behind it. And there's a lot of stuff to, to take on in Romans. So I just urge you and encourage you, um, even when it seems that the message may be simple, to sit with it, to rest with it, and, and to let it continue to speak to it. Uh, to you and see what God has to say to you uh, through the message. This week uh, we're talking about uh, this, this part of the letter where Paul has uh, told everybody that we are all sinners and that the only way we can be justified is by faith. We can't do it through works. Now, if you remember last week we talked about we all start off on, on this side. We're, we all start off on common ground, separated from God. There's a huge Gulf between us. We are all on a journey trying to get from over here to over there where God is. And Paul is saying here the reason why we're all over there is because we, we have all sinned. And there's no way that we're going to get from over here to over there through any kind of works or actions but through faith. We will, we will be um, ushered into God's presence through our faith. Now, why is it that um, it is faith alone that gets us from here to there? Why is it faith and not works? It seems like if we know good from evil, we should be able to just do the right things and make God happy and end up in good standing with him. But the problem with that is if we believe in a works Based salvation or a works based righteousness, then really what we 're saying is we believe in our own ability to reason because we all think that we know good from evil now when when Adam and Eve ate the the fruit in the garden, they were given the knowledge of good and evil, and that 's when everything fell apart right because we all have different understandings of what good and evil is there's there's a lot of uh, Gray area stuff that we can't see, that we, we can't see the big picture like God can. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look at what's going on in the world today and you see that people have completely different ideas of what good and evil are. And so there's this conflict. And so if we're going to say, well, it's, it's our works that are going to save us, we have to do good, well, then there's a problem because that says that that our understanding of good is the right one, is the right understanding. And that's not always the case. Paul knew his audience that he was writing to. Remember, he was writing to the Christians in Rome, which was pretty much the capital of the world in those days. And there in Rome, there were Jews and there were also Gentiles. And and there were probably some Jewish people who were still clinging to the old law and and, and trying to live that out and thinking that the best, uh, as long as they kept the law, they were going to find favor with God. And then there were probably some Gentiles who thought, well, we, now that we've kind of accepted Christ, who was a Jew, um, maybe we ought to start keeping this Jewish law, and we really need to strive to do this as well. And Paul knew this. Paul knew his audience. And that's why he, 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 early in the letter, here just at the beginning of, of the third chapter, he's saying, it's not your works, it's not how you keep the law that's going to save you, it's your faith. And he knew that there was going to be that confusion. and He also knew uh, that no matter how hard we try to keep the law, we are all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. But we all have confusion about exactly what right and wrong is. It's called human error, and we all do it. Uh, it, it happened to me just this past week. Um, as as far as human error is concerned. Um, I had, uh, the other day, I had a 145 appointment. I was hungry. I was trying to get something to eat before I got there. And uh, I stopped into the kickin' chicken. And it was completely uh, packed, the parking lot, on on one side, the side facing the kickin' chicken. So I had to drive down a little ways and face the the side of the grocery store and, and park there, go in, get my food, I'm in a hurry. I come back to my car, and I crank it up. I put it in reverse, and I look in my rearview mirror, and I see that there's a truck in the parking space behind me that is also in reverse. So I think, okay, come on, man. I I, I don't have all day. And I sit there for a second, and I wait for him. And he doesn't back out. So I'm thinking, he's probably waiting for me to back out. So I put my my truck in park and wait. And I sit there another second or two. And then I look in my rearview mirror, and I see that that he's put his truck in park. And so I was was getting a little frustrated. Like I said, I was in a hurry. So I put it in reverse. I said, I'm just going to have to trust that this guy doesn't back out right when I do. And I start backing out. And as I do, I look in the the rearview mirror, and I realize that the the truck I was seeing was actually my truck reflected in the window across the parking lot. (laughs) Case in point, we all make errors in judgment. We all make errors in judgment. And that, and that right there is, is why we can't trust ourselves to do what is right, to find our right standing with God, because we're using our own knowledge and our own intellect and reason. And, and uh, all of us are, are capable of, of faulty reasoning. And mis- miscalculation, and Paul knew this, and that's why he was he was saying what he was uh, what he was saying here to the Romans. Now let's let's back up just a moment. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Paul opened this letter, and he said that that no one is without excuse; that everybody has um, has the opportunity to know God because God has made Himself evident in the world around us. You can look around and see God. And, and, and signs of God, traces that God has been here, God has done something, and so no one is without excuse. And I believe that one of the uh, surest signs that God has given us for his existence is our own sense of right and wrong. Now, like I said, the knowledge of good and evil is, is confusing. And when Adam and Eve stepped into that world, that's when they fell. But I believe before they had the knowledge of good and evil, they had a sense of right and wrong because Eve knew that she shouldn't eat that apple or or orange or whatever the fruit was. But she knew that she shouldn't do it because God had told her not to. And we all have that sense of right and wrong. We're born with it. We call it a conscience. And I think that it is a testimony to God's existence that we, we have that. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity where he basically starts with, uh, okay, is, is there a God or not? And he, he takes you through um, the apologetics of the Christian faith to where by the end of the book you have to believe in Jesus because he's laid out a perfect argument for it. But he starts the whole thing off by saying we all have this sense of right and wrong. And if we all have that sense of right and wrong, then there has to be something, some kind of governing power behind it that gave us that sense. Uh, the story, the, the Disney movie Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket, tells uh, Pinocchio that he is his conscience. He's the personification of of Pinocchio's conscience, and he says, let your conscience be your God, and the Disney movie has a happy ending, and it ends with Pinocchio becoming a real boy, and, and he's dancing around with Geppetto and Jiminy Cricket, I'm sorry if that spoils the ending of the movie for you, but it's about a hundred years old, you should have seen it by now, but I was I was horrified this week to find out when doing the, the research on Jiminy Cricket that, um, that the story of Pinocchio actually comes from a comic strip from the, the late 1800s. And in that, that, that telling of it, uh, Pinocchio got sick of listening to Jiminy Cricket, and he threw a hammer at him and killed him. And, and Pinocchio ends up dying. That's how the original story went. of course, Disney comes, and they make it a much more pleasant story. But I was thinking about that, that comic strip, and, and I realized that's probably more accurate As far as human nature goes. Because we have a conscience. We have this voice telling us right from wrong. And sometimes we just get sick of listening to it. So we suppress it. Or we ignore it. Or we lie to it. We come up with things to say to justify going against it. It's called our sin nature. And every single one of us have it. Every single person since Adam and Eve. It's called original sin. We are born into original sin. That original sin makes us hopelessly evil. All of us have a bent towards wickedness. That was not originally God's plan for us. God created us to, to reflect his image, to bear his image, and, and originally, it's called original righteousness. His hope was that Mankind and all of creation would bear his righteousness and reflect his righteousness. But once sin entered the world, we can no longer do that. We can try, we can try, we can try. But at our best efforts, we are not going to be righteous. The prophet Isaiah told the people in Israel, All of our righteous works are like filthy rags. Now, that verse gets misquoted a lot. Sometimes people take that to mean that even our worship and our prayers and our good deeds, it's like filthy rags to God. That's not what that means. What it means is that apart from God, apart from His grace, apart from the righteousness that He puts in us, we are incapable of being righteous. We can become righteous. We can become sanctified, but only by His grace. Only by the goodness that He puts in us. We don't do anything to earn that or deserve it. We only get it through faith, through belief. But belief in what? Believing that God's original plan can be restored. Believing that God's original intent for original righteousness to be reflected here on the earth through creation, it can be restored but not through our actions, only through him. Even though we can't restore what has been lost, he can. And that grace is given. is given freely. There's nothing we can do to make it happen. J.D. Walt uh, told a story one time about when he preached at Asbury Theological Seminary in the chapel. He said that the danger with preaching there in the chapel at a seminary is... Um, in your congregation you have a whole bunch of biblical scholars and anything you say that might be a little wrong they're going to call you out on it after the service is over and so he was kind of walking on eggshells trying not to say anything biblically incorrect as he was preaching there in the chapel but then he started talking about what it means to abide in christ to rest with christ and as he was talking about it, he started talking about bearing the fruit. When we bear the fruit of Christ and what that looks like, the fruit of the Spirit. And he said that, that the sap comes through the vine and the fruit just, just sucks all that sap up. And so we need to be sap suckers for Jesus. <laughs> he said when the service was over, uh, none of the, the biblical scholars approached him at all, but he said a botanist came up to him. And told him, fruit does not suck the sap. The vine pushes the sap into the fruit. The fruit is completely incapable of doing anything to draw the sap out. The vine literally pushes the sap into the fruit. And he thought, well, that's even better. It's a better analogy because we can't do anything to pull God's grace from him. We can't do anything To pull that mercy, that love, that grace from him into our lives. All we can do is receive it as he gives it to us. And the only way to receive that is through faith. Through trusting that he will give it to us. That he will give us the grace that we desire and more. He will give us the grace that we need to live our lives here on earth. And his grace is sufficient. Whenever we start talking about faith, I always think about uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, especially when we're talking about the gulf between us and, and, and God. Um, there's, there's this scene where uh, Indiana Jones is, is looking over a gulf. He's got to get to the other side, and there is absolutely nothing he can do in that moment to get over there. No amount of knowledge, nothing he's done previously in his life. He doesn't have any kind of tools that, he could, that are going to help him out in that situation. There is absolutely no way that he can get on his own from that side of the cliff to the other. And he steps out on faith and a, a plank, a board shows up and catches him and he walks across. Now I know that's Hollywood, that's, that's a movie, But it's a a perfect analogy for our spiritual life. Nothing you have done in the past can save you. Nothing you have done, nothing you have, nothing you can bring can get you to where God is. It's only stepping out on faith, knowing that He will give you all the grace you need, and His grace is sufficient. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do good works. We should. Our faith should lead to good works. But that's another lesson For another day, we'll get to that later in Romans. But God has always had a plan for creation for us, and that plan is that we reflect his righteousness here on earth. Unfortunately, we've messed that up. We've messed it up big time. But it's not too late. Although we're incapable of being truly righteous, God is fully capable of putting his righteousness in us. It's not by any effort on our part, It's by his grace alone. And we can only receive that grace by trusting that he is perfect, holy, and entirely able to redeem us where we cannot. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that we have to do, nothing that we need to do, nothing that we can do to get over there to where you are. Because truth be known, we would just fail miserably. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, through your Son, you have made a way. You have redeemed us through your grace. And all we have to do is place our trust in you and receive it. Lord, give us more faith. Strengthen our faith. Help us mature in our faith so that we can daily put that trust in you. And we can journey on towards you. Sanctification we can become holy as you are holy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 714, I Know Whom I Have Believed. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward if you've decided to uh, join the church or enter a new relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Uh, please, please come forward. I'd be happy to, uh, to talk to you about that and to pray with you about that. But our hymn of invitation is 714. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing.